Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. Welcome, everyone. We are the Geek Patrol, and our microphones don't have a stun setting. Today, we're joining you from the film set of Alan Gilbreth's SAG-exempt production of Winnie the Pooh versus Frankenstein versus Cocaine Bear. All right, I mean, I know two-thirds of those are the public domain, Alan, but how are you getting around the, uh, the you know, the, the big uh, cocaine bear situation? So, I mean... Uh, well, okay. we're gonna substitute. <laughs> we're gonna substitute in the the cocaine shark from Shark Week. Okay, so you're to, you're pulling yeah, on whatever. Okay, we are. We're gonna pull a fast one on that. I I would stay out of the pool. Okay, and SAG gave you full full permission to go ahead and do this and uh, make of it as you will, right? That's because yeah. the AMPCP are not gonna go anywhere near this film. <laughs> okay, all right. Anyway, welcome to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I warned you this I, was a weird one. You really to... don't research before you do your things, do you? <laughs> no, no. Throw it against the wall. He's, and he's it, never it seen is. my fish ponds or why yeah. those birds don't come back. Uh, <laughs> I'm Joe Thordeson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. Alan, you, know me, you owe me a new arm. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, speaking of SAG and the, uh, the, you know, the strike and everything, Comic-Con is looking a little different uh, this weekend. And actually, you know what? Maybe it's not a bad thing. Um, I, I, a lot yeah. of people are kind of going, hey, this is old school. This is what Comic-Con used to look like. The uh, three people who you sat around and talked over. with on a job site the other day, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that, but... is not what I, that is not what a lot of people are saying. Okay. A lot of people are going, oh, my God, you have toys? Because <laughs> it a looks, vendor cause, room? Cause, I didn't know that. No, this yeah, has nothing to do with it, vendors. This, yeah. is, this has to do with actual manufacturers displaying things the toys are still in the show this year okay it's amazing okay well uh so we're going to discuss that brandon's going to report in on what happened with comic con this weekend uh later guys we haven't done this in a while we've got a legends and geekdom uh one of our uh you know one of our segments that we we you know we do from time to time is celebrating great historical figures in the world of geekdom or maybe even not so great but this one is a great well i mean say. you know we we try and keep joe tied to uh the modern age but every once in a while he gets away and learns something well it's fun <laughs> when you you know i i i admit i learned i learned just as much as anybody in these say so i'm not going to i'm i'm just going to tell you his name was R- rodolph topfer and he is back. He lived back in the uh, 18th century. No, wait. Is that, no, I guess that's the night. He lived in the early 1800s, so, and uh, he contributed. He was born in 1799. So, uh, so we're going way Alan, back, Alan. The Alan, way back machine. One of your one of your contemporaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll nice be getting. Guy. Went to high school. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll be getting to that shortly. I'm, I didn't prepare you for this because I knew you wouldn't give me permission, but I'm just going to say it anyway. This weekend, I just want to give a shout out to the. Uh, Cubs radio announcer Pat Hughes, who was inducted into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame this weekend. It couldn't, you know, say what you will uh, about me. Pat Hughes is a dignified, he is a world-class broadcaster. Joe, I'm muting your mic. Uh, okay. Joe, I'm muting your All mic. Right, so, and so. it's well-deserved. And he had the unenviable task of following the legendary Harry Carey. He's done it with grace. He's a one of the best announcers in sports, I, period. I, I, and hats off to Pat Hughes. I, He's well-deserved. So. I'll even go in on All that right. with you because okay. who in their right mind wanted to take that mic that next Monday night? Exactly. Nobody. Yeah. That was like that was I, like. You weren't gonna, you weren't going to live up to that standard. I mean, it there just was, wasn't going to happen. But he's done. And bless his heart, yeah. he he acted like nothing had ever happened before. It was another Monday <laughs> night, and he just got the job done. 
it has been I mean, doing it ever since. I mean, let's 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 step a little bit farther out. With, I, I'll have to go than, with just first time yeah. ever going to agree with Joe on okay. this. Well, no, no, because I mean, he deserves every bit of the props, but I mean, it also makes you know. There's a group of people out there that don't get the recognition they deserve, mm -hmm. and that is people who have commentated on all the different types of sports, from from you know your Cubs Hall of Fame announcers to you know the people doing indie wrestling shows to some poor oh, schmuck yeah. who has to do a golf tournament at a whisper. These guys have a way of making sometimes the most. Uh, like devastating things in sports still seem exciting. <laughs> I just like when people like Phil Henry satirize them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... And the thing is, I, I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, we do our... We've been doing this together, you guys, here for eight years. We've and, But I can't imagine what goes into being a sports announcer because you got to... It's total theater of the mind and you got to yeah. decide what details to share, yeah. what details to leave out, and to paint a picture for the listeners. That does so, not sound easy. And no, doing it in real time. No, it's really not. I mean, uh, that sounds especially hard. Especially when you think about it. Uh, you know, the commentators at a, at a baseball game, I mean, usually you got a bunch of people in the crowd who can see what you're, what you're announcing. Right. But they also broadcast you across the radio. They broadcast you inside uh, the various, you know, areas of the stadium where people can't see anything that's going on while they're in line for the bathroom trying to get concessions. You have to be responsible for keeping their excitement levels up. Yeah. And that is not an enviable task. No. And especially when you're announcing for the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> and also what I like about it, I, if I'm I'm a the limited I'm a exposure that I have to Pat and I'm a his I'm a his I'm a fellow announcer. Ron Ron Coomer. Yeah, that guy. I'm a I like how they balance the idea of being anecdotal and entertain and entertaining at the same time. Uh, well, yeah, because uh, Harry Carey gave him great advice. He said, "Look, it's all well and good when your team is up five to nothing, but when you got to announce a game where you're being slaughtered or you're in last place, that is not yeah. easy to do." Can, you know? can, can we just take a step outside of the curtain for just a second? Yeah. And you know that as much as he says it's a limited, uh, you know, exposure, you know that Joe has come in here and put him in the full clockwork orange, staring <laughs> at at Cubs games just so he'd be prepared for this segment. Oh yeah, so. Well, I'm going to throw in, I loved the movie Major League. Yes. Because oh, they movie. actually did the whole behind the scenes in the announcer booth. Dude. How awful or great right. or whatever mm. was going on plus was happening in that plus, booth. Yeah, Mr. Baseball. Yeah, Bob Euchre there doing that. And it's like the moments when he when he has finally just given up. He's in just the little, the wife beater, and he's, <laughs> he's drunk, drinking. and he goes, I, you know, take it away. I'm toast. And he just lays out, and the poor kid who's been with him this whole time goes, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Wait, I'm just the color guy. Yeah. yeah, no, just, yeah. yeah. It's fun. And, and, you know, I listen to the MLB app, so if, I, if I'm if i bored, sometimes I'll listen to other games, and there nobody holds a candle to him. He, is, he and Ron Coomer are the best, so hats off. It's well-deserved. I can't wait to hear his speech. I guess I can go to... I don't know, YouTube or something. Right? It'll be the there Cooper's somewhere. Town, so I'll find it. But, wow, I didn't think uh, – I snuck that one in. I didn't tell you guys I was going to discuss oh, that. We're radio guys. We love it. talking about announcing. But, but you know, again, yeah. what they used to talk about on the Johnny Carson show, never follow a kid or an animal. Right. Because right. what do you what Now do what you do you do? Yeah. Because yeah. – Oh, okay. And never follow Harry Carey, but oh. he did it and he made it to the Hall of Fame. So hats off, Pat Hughes. Absolutely. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Buckle your seatbelts. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. A dozen Ewoks clubbing the microphones would still sound better than this. 
The Geek Patrol is back. Can't argue with it. It is a rock station. (laughs) (laughs) And drop the mic. And welcome back. No (laughs) way. These things are expensive. I'm not dropping any of these. I can't afford to replace them. And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. Hey, that was a good one. I liked it. Brandon doesn't usually contribute on these things. No, because he's rolling his eyes and looking at me with scorn. I've decided I can't be spiteful to all of them. I've got to accept some of them because you're never going to let them go. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, You'll have to pry these rejoiners out of my cold, dead hands. Well, uh, we can accept that challenge. Okay. Spooky season's coming up. I can make that happen. Okay. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And if you're just tuning in, boy, I was delighted to uh, – I, I, I just snuck in a quick little shout-out to the uh, legendary uh, now Hall of Fame inductee Pat, Pat Hughes, the announcer for the Cubs who got – inducted this weekend you guys really ran with that topic and um brandon you pointed something out as long as we're throwing out salutes we we you know it behooves us to acknowledge the uh, passing of tony bennett as well absolutely i mean cool guy everybody loves him he's one of those guys everybody loves you know and and what's really sad is that you know now future gen Gen alpha is getting to that point where you could introduce them to blues and jazz and stuff like that and they you know they will never understand how cool it is to see Tony Bennett perform. I didn't realize he was as old as he was. I thought well, he, I well, always he thought was, of him as a lot I mean, younger. He I mean, was performing until not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, right. he, he had not retired. He was like I mean, 96? He, he, yes. Like, yeah. Holy smokes. And, That's older and than Stan suffering Lee from dementia. Yeah. He had a little, you know, and was still hanging with... Well, Lady like Gaga. Lady Gaga, you know. <laughs> that was that was an, that was not a collaboration I was expecting, but it was so good. Yeah, well, but you know, he's really, performed with a lot of people now that I think of it. Didn't he perform with like, I don't know, Bono and all like, these guys? I mean, everybody and, wanted to 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 hang well, out with Tony. I Bennett, think the so. technical term is pert near everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I mean that's that's the thing is, you know, no matter how good of a musician you are, no how no matter how good of a singer you are, being on stage with Tony Bennett elevated you. Yeah. Well, because he, you know, he was so amazing that even I mean, you could have taken someone who relied on auto tune, right? And he could elevate you to the point where you know, yeah, it's just he inspired. He was a he, truly, huge inspiration. He a truly a class act. All I think that's around. what it is too, Alan. Because you know, we've seen some performers. They might be really good, um, you know, performers. I'm not going to name names, but right. I don't necessarily like them. I might like their music or something. But Tony Bennett just had a presence where, you know, he he was just a likable person. It's, I don't know what that yeah. skill is, or I don't know what it's, maybe just genuineness. Honestly, in it. it's it's something you know? that I, you know, deep down, I think folks, some folks are just born with that. There's this presence, and you want to be in their presence, <laughs> right? You know, and they don't take that for granted. They they are kind and humane and generous across the board. And, Tony Bennett seems to be one of those guys. I mean, I didn't know him personally, so I mean, I don't know. Personally, he might have smacked the crap out of me because I'm well, know, I'm very yeah. spiteful and, and very sarcastic. <laughs> but I just I I feel that he's one of those guys. We talk about like celebrities that we've been around and how it's like you know they feel like normal people. He's one of the ones that I would have been yeah. unable to speak to at first. <laughs> just he'd be like, I have that. But well, super the, talented too. I mean, oh, we're not even talking about the talent. But then you got to look at the breadth of his career, yeah. right? And Tony Bennett music, you know, I'm going to dare say you go dig up an album from 50 years ago Mm -hmm. and it's going to be just as stylish and just as well produced today. 
yeah. as it was. His natural born crooner. I mean, his, and keep in mind, he didn't have computers. No. He didn't have technological help. These were in the days, as Ethel Merman said, you either knew how to project or you went and sat down. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, and you, let's face That's it, a good quote. Ethel would she have known, project, man. So. Yeah. Um, just just a class act all the way across. And yeah. anything you can find by him, any collaboration, you can sit down and listen to him for hours without any listening fatigue. So you talk about sure. somebody having a good run. I mean, that's another, Man. you know, it's sad, but Ooh. really is it? I mean, 96, it's he. he Fair play. Yeah. You yeah. had an awesome, yeah. an it, amazing yeah. run. And honestly, if, if you're a creator out there, you, you do any kind of art, put the Bennett on. Yeah. Oh. There you go. Yeah. It'll put you in a good mood. So, all right. Hey, uh, okay, let's shift gears. We're going we're gonna to tee this up, and then we're going to unpack it after the break. But uh, go ahead, Max. And now, a legend in geekdom. <laughs> Forgot what that sounded like. <laughs> you can Who is that voice? I, 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 I'm, I'm going to have trouble forgetting what that sounded like. <laughs> okay. You hey. can hear the pocket protector. Um, in that guy's top pocket. Um, sometimes life circumstances drop. It, it, you know, you become a historical figure whether you wanted to or not, and uh, maybe not for the reasons you choose. And that's a perfect. Uh, How many times do I have to apologize? I was acquitted. Okay, we're not talking about you. Uh, we're moving on, uh, Brandon. But so uh, we're gonna, today for Legends and Geekdom, uh, we are going to talk about Rodolph Topfer. I don't know whether it's Rodolphe. It's whatever. He's a he's a Swiss. He's a he was in from Switzerland, and anyway, uh, let's just cut to the chase. He is credited with being the world's first comic book creator. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We 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 know we can get into these debates. I mean, you could even say our Egyptian hieroglyphics comic books. No, not really. No. We're talking about an actual printed book that was used words and pictures and what do they call it? Sequential art to tell stories and. Uh, he fell into this sort of accidentally, but Max, you were you were uh, intrigued by this character too. So, I mean, what's interesting is even his self-portrait makes him look a little bit like Elton John. So he's very he's. It's interesting how contemporary he looks for a man who's so aged in terms Proof of like his, that he isn't. Ooh, well, I'm you know, intrigued. You know, it's interesting. So, as Alan said, he was born in 1799. He did not live too long. He he died in 1846, but. Um, he uh, he was in that period of time where the the artistic style he really wanted to be a painter that was his goal. His father uh, Wolfgang was Wolfgang uh, Topfer was a very well respected and very well thought of painter. And this was in an era when painting was all about realism and uh, putting detail into the you know down to the fabric of the of the the people in the portraits and everything and some really cool art came out of that but you you if you're going to create that art you have to uh you have to be able to see let's put it that way you and, have to have a literal eye for it and it's very detailed work and unfortunately rodolph's uh eyesight started to go which led him in another direction and we're going to talk about that when we come back here on geek tank radio you're listening to geek tank radio on 98 one the max your hippogriff just went number two in my front yard the Geek Patrol is back. <laughs> just, <laughs> just use Wingardium Leviosa, and that'll take care of that problem. And you do that, and then you fling it at Joe's yard. <laughs> or just Aquium Minty. Yeah. yeah. What is the vanishing one? Uh, you know, anyway. 
Welcome back. To- <laughs> then you do Crucio on the person that did it. That threw me hey, for hey, a curve, Max. As, as, as funny as this is, we got to keep going, man. You've got a lot to unpack with this guy. Yeah, talk about unpacking. Uh, and welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, <laughs> everybody. Or <laughs> I'm Joe Thorson. We're done. The- that was a good show, guys. I'm Joe Thorson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass who really has to understand these. Yeah, I can't take anything here. seriously now, Max. Okay. Hey, uh, if you're just tuning in, we are in the middle of one of our Legends and Geekdoms uh, segments, and uh, we're discussing today a guy that, uh, his name is Rodolph Topfer, born in 1799, died in 1846, and he is credited as the creator of comic books. And I think the argument could be, it's pretty well made. They were definitely published, they definitely Mm -hmm. told stories like... Uh, you know, like a comic book would. They didn't use word balloons. They had words underneath the panels, but it was close enough. But uh, so, Max, I know you did some research on him. Basically what happened, he uh, he was he had aspirations to be a great painter like his father was. He studied in Paris, and unfortunately his eyesight started to go bad. And the the work coming out at that point was very detailed, very... You know, uh, uh, my, you know, you, you really had to see what you were doing, and he just couldn't. His eyesight was failing. He wasn't blind, right, Max? So, I believe, and he progressively became blind. So, I think at one point he like had to kind of throw in the towel. So, a lot of his work, maybe you can kind of sense a certain level of desperation. Like he was trying to get out as much as he could while he could, right? Kind of similar to Beethoven, where while his, um, while his hearing was becoming progressively worse, mm, good he point. Put out a lot of work. So he, but he was a creative soul, and so, but he, you know, you have to make a living too. So he went and he worked. I guess he founded. Well, he worked at a at a school, like what do they call it? a boarding, a boarding school, school. Uh, for boys, and then he um, eventually founded his own. But you know, he still wanted to teach the arts, and he still wanted uh, to impart, you know, his knowledge to these uh, students. And so, what he came up with was a way of uh, basically. He, it was a, for lack of a better term, it was a comic book. He he created these characters with just rough sketches, and then he put um, he put uh, basically sequential art, and he made uh, he put um, word balloons underneath, and he told stories. And to his amazement, that the students loved it. I mean, that was suddenly it was a hot item. But he was sort of ashamed of it. He did not he he was like, okay, this is great. He didn't see this in any way as an artistic achievement, but. Um, Funnily enough, uh, it's one of those things where maybe the critics didn't like it. A lot of the critics ridiculed him, but the, the public loved it, right? That's what I thought was kind of interesting because it kind of echoes stuff today. It's like, how did this become? How did this win the Academy Award? And yet, like, the popular opinion would speak otherwise. Yeah, Black Panther makes like $2 billion. I don't even remember what won the year they, you know, came out. I mean, well, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of along those lines. Well, so. I mean, it's... You know, we, we like to talk about it being a popularity contest, but the truth of the matter is, is everybody voting in this contest is part of a clique. Right. <laughs> Marvel films and Star Wars don't fall into the clique. Yeah. And I want to circle back real quickly to the critic thing. What I like about the story of Topfer is he's also a story of redemption with regards to one of his major critics. Because oh, right. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, better known for his work like the um, a legendary Faust, right? Um, uh, he was at first like a big... Um, uh, he was a big critic of caricaturists, and he thought they were an offense to art. And you know, yet one of his people, like one of his people, like I'm a circulated Topfer's work to Goethe at a time when he was feeling low, and he's like, "This is pretty funny. I like this stuff." Well, and it kind of cheered yeah. him up. 
Yeah, I mean, in a, in the midst of all of this this artwork that's detailed and and every in highfalutin, you could say this comes along, but yet it it spoke to people and it was fun and and it he did funny stories, right, man? I mean, that was that was another thing. It I mean, was lighthearted was, and there know. was literally a story called "I'm a histoire de Monsieur I'm a Vaubois." I pardon my French, quite literally, and it translates to the story of Mister Blockhead. Right, <laughs> and uh, and I'm sorry to say, Alan, like there were plenty of flatulence jokes and stuff even back then in in this work. So I would like to apologize <laughs> to our Sunday morning listeners for having to learn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, but, but, get, we got we got I got a, I got a little uh, student like in there. I was just I was sitting there listening to Joe, listening to Max, and it's like, oh wait, I'm supposed to be participating. Well, well, he had to run, he had to go kicking and screaming to publish this stuff. Eventually, when he published it, it became hugely popular. And near the end of his life, he embraced it to the point where he was even doing uh, tutorials and things on sequential storytelling. And he really embraced it. He said, you know what? I didn't become the kind of artist I anticipated, but he recognized that he had contributed something valuable. And, and that laid the groundwork for comic books, you could say. I don't know what the gap was between now and when the next... You know, I mean, well, you I mean know, there were probably things in between comic strips and things in well, newspapers, yeah, but I mean, right? Well, you've, you've got to definitely, you know, uh, acknowledge the inspiration for it there. Yeah. Well, keep in mind of very, very powerful, famous people doing something simple or common or a little off color of, you know, he came along at a time in 1799 of... He, he's right at the tail end of Ben Franklin. Mm, that's true. Poor Richard's Almanac and all that. And what was one of Ben Franklin's best-selling books? Uh, I don't know, but remind me. Fart I, Proudly. That's right. Okay, yeah. And they even, <laughs> even back then, they called it that. So, yeah. And so, yeah, so, you know, as he comes along of, you know, that book had kind of come and gone a little bit, but I'm sure he saw it. I'm oh, sure yeah. somebody made a reference to it. And... Oddly, he is one of these characters that, while he was denied the really complex thing he wanted to do, mm -hmm. he brought that same energy and that same talent to the quote-unquote simpler format, which ahead, reached but... the common person easier. Yeah, And what I like about the idea of his story is the idea of harnessing human suffering and making it a catalyst for bringing in something beautiful to the world. Right. I, you know, we talk about that too, Max. It's a good point. You may, you life may have challenged you. You may like be Beethoven. In, and if you, if you use, if you tap into that to create, to create art, you might really create something special. So, you know, it's, and you never know what life's going to bring. So hats off to, uh, Rodolf Topfer, but uh, he's well worth going. Go down the rabbit hole on YouTube. You'll learn quite a bit oh, yeah. about him. It's uh, really interesting stuff. So, all right, uh, Brandon, we're going to yeah. turn the corner. When we come back, we're going to talk all about Comic-Con Weekend uh, 2023. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. Joe Thordeson wore a Godzilla costume to his senior prom. The Geek Patrol is back. Well, they say dress for the job that you want, not the job you have, so... Um, Thought it was a good occasion to do so, that. So the step on Tokyo. I was going to say, the job you wanted was going home alone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it didn't go very well. And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I, I can't believe you dug that up. I mean, Max. fortunately, his date was in a Gamera cosplay, so she was equally geeky. It worked out. 
Uh, I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And Brandon, today is a uh, day five of uh, the San Diego Comic Con. It's wrapping up, and uh, it looked a lot different this year. Uh, not really. A bunch of, bunch of nerds buying things they don't need in a place that they really couldn't afford to be. Gosh. Looks just like it does every year. Uh, I, I, okay. I, look, I love Comic-Con, but I, some of my favorite stories out of Comic-Con are from my friends who went, who talk and about complain. the fact that they have basically got to catch up on their mortgage and do every bit of overtime available between now and the holidays. Well, it, it, the crowded hallways, the sweat, the I mean, the waiting in line. The I whole, love me a know. good Comic-Con as long as I can sit in the uh, lifeguard chair and watch from above. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The Comic-Con yes, needs a bigger him. place. I mean, you would think. I mean, the San Diego it's, Convention Center is big, right. but you can't cram 160,000 no, no. people But that's in the thing, there. Joe, is it's big enough. The problem is line etiquette, which people don't understand. But we're not going to get into that. We're going to talk about the cool things about Comic-Con this year. Yeah, okay. Now, going into this, uh, you know, we beforehand due to the writer strike we already knew that almost all the major studios were going to take a step back because they didn't have anybody to uh you know prepare their uh their wonderful rousing speeches of going in there so they can go in there and talk about how great these movies are right and then with the writers you know dipping out the actors the, you mean yeah you know, the, yeah the actors i'm sorry there's so yeah. many people striking that deserve better pay right now right i'm one of them i'm not striking but i deserve better pay okay. uh but so it was definitely left to the comic panels. I mean, there's a couple of things that dropped that are movie-wise. You know, there was a panel about the new Ninja Turtle movie, but it wasn't – there weren't any of the actors there. There weren't any of the yeah. you know, writers. It was just the director and a couple of the animators who are also still not on strike. But we're getting – you know, we, we got some cool new stuff about the new Mortal Kombat has come out of this. And we've got the comic, show. Or? No, no, no. The the game. The game. The game. Okay. But we've got stuff coming out for you know where the comic creators are getting the spotlight. And I'm going to tell you, Joe, I've I've read the recaps. I've watched you know some of the videos from from Comic Con, and you know what does not stand out at all? What anything going on in comics? Oh, <laughs> because it is being completely and utterly overshadowed. By the toy displays out front. Oh, interesting. The toy companies always have a big presence at Comic-Con. But this year, it seems like that's what's drawing everybody's attention. You know, there are people who are going in and watching, you know, it's like they, they aired the first two episodes of the new Tiny Toons Luniversity. <laughs> and a friend of mine uh, from back east is, you know, he flew all the way across the country in order to go see, you know, go to Comic-Con because he was excited. And then about 90% of the stuff that he was going there for didn't you know happen but he's managed to find things in there that he would have never found interesting otherwise well and i mean he you know they're having a blast because it's now it it genuinely feels like the type of convention he's used to going to and not just this big showcase for movies well we we've talked about that in the past if you go to hall h where all the yeah. if you want to see robert downey jr and you want to see all that it's literally it's it's almost yeah. like a survival thing you you're going to sit in there what hours <laughs> And you got to sit through panels you don't care about. You're gonna. It's almost like camping out. Yeah, um, it's a lot of work, and I wonder if it's worth the the payoff. Well, see, I mean, to be, I've it, never felt that it's worth the payoff because you know everything that happened to that panel within ten minutes of the panel being over. Someone has posted it online, that's whether true. it be in video format or one of the quickest live tweet, you know, uh, you know, recaps. 
So that's never seemed all that interesting to me is, you know, Hall H and then that right. you know, little green room afterwards where, you know, people basically sit there and give interviews to all the different news outlets that mm-hmm. go. Yeah. I've always been more of a fan of what's going on on the floor. Right. But now stuff that normally goes on on the floor has been moved into the big halls because, you know. They have a platform. So they're getting, yeah. they're getting their chance to show why comics should be getting the spotlight. And sadly, I don't think it's really working out for the way that they wanted to. Well, but com- fan-wise, yeah. Yeah. fan-wise, everybody seems to be having a blast, just like they do every year. But, you know, they're not showing any kind of numbers where people are like, well, Marvel's not going to be there. I want my money back. Well, of course, nowadays, who's going to cancel something because Marvel's not there? Right. Uh, <laughs> no shade on Marvel, but let's just say yeah. since Endgame, it's been hit and miss. Yeah, no kidding. So. But we're you know one of the things that really stood out to me is like I was saying the toy floor, mm-hmm. where Hasbro has shown us things that they are bringing out that we weren't expecting like uh, the toys based on the old '90s X Men cartoons proposed sequel that's coming to Disney eventually. Yeah, we've got Crystar who the Crystal Warriors, which was a just generic uh, you know toy line in the 80s where you know everything was made out of clear plastic and it shines in the light Chris marvel Tar. did a mini series based on these comics so hasbro has those characters and they're re-releasing those now huh interesting i was also kind of curious too brandon if you knew this because one of the fond memories that i have about not going to comic con but wanting to go to comic con is that lego releases like ex- things exclusive to comic con that you can only find there like mini sets. yes i was yes, wondering if they had those and they have some really cool sets that I don't know if these things were put together for Comic-Con or if they're actually something you could buy at Comic-Con, like a deluxe version of Jabba the Hutt's uh, throne room. Uh, there was, and I mean, it's like it's like $300. Oh, yeah. But it's huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, they always do some really cool stuff. And I know that our friend Dan the Lego Man had been talking about Indiana Jones sets. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a couple of exclusive Indiana Jones sets for SDCC as well. Something else, though, that got announced at SDCC, if you're a Batman fan and you love the movies from back in the Keaton days all the way through Ben Affleck, they have released a six-figure set that includes Michael Keaton Batman from the first one, Val Kilmer's armored Batman from three, George Clooney's Ben Affleck's Christian Bale's and uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. And they come with a, a customizable bat signal that has all the different symbols that was seen throughout those movies. Now that's cool. Does I it, think it's pretty wicked. And like you don't the have twelve to get, inch. No, figures? no, there's there's a regular like the the seven inch uh, McFarlane okay. uh, DC multiverse figures. You don't have to go to Comic Con to get that one though. You can get that one through McFarlane's actual website. Huh? Are you getting paid here? Uh, it sounds like a commercial. I'm I'm, I'm, tr- I'm I'm shilling for hopefully something. He's okay. shilling for a free sample. Uh huh. All right. Whatever whatever's going on here, it doesn't matter because the time uh, we're out of time. So until next week, we are the Geek Patrol, and I am Joe Thorderson. I'm Alan Gilbreth. I'm Maximilian. And I'm Brandon Olmstead. Sadly breaking the news to Joe that Andor Season 2 has been halted due to the strike.